We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Stender, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. To share your thoughts about this podcast or others, please visit facebook.com slash jcastnetwork. I received a provocative email this week uh, alleging that Hanukkah was but a holiday made up by the rabbis, uh, perhaps in order to consolidate their own power and authority. And uh, it is not... I was only half serious. I wanted to talk about that today because, in a sense, there's an element of truth to the claim that Hanukkah is a holiday made up by the rabbis. But why it's a holiday made up by the rabbis and what that has to offer us, I think, is of deep and profound significance. So, in one sense, Hanukkah is not a holiday made up by the rabbis. The historical event that, in part, it commemorates is an actual historical event. There was a Jewish uprising uh, against the uh, uh, against the Assyrian Greeks who were ruling in uh, the land of uh, Judah, Judea, uh, at the time. Uh, it was uh, a continuation of the conquest of Alexander the Great. Uh, there was a ruler named uh, Antiochus IV Epiphanes uh, who pursued aggressively a, a, a campaign of Hellenization uh, among uh, the province of Judea, uh, a campaign, by the way, that many Jews uh, very enthusiastically embraced. Many Jews in Judea uh, thought uh, were very excited about the prospect of uh, Hellenization. This was progress to them. They were being brought into the civilized world, and they were eager to embrace that opportunity. But there was a, uh, a group of Jews um, who were uh, very zealous, uh, maybe you might even call them uh, extremists, uh, who were connected to the temple, who were especially among the priests, who were not happy about this program of Hellenization, not happy about the Greeks who were doing it, and not happy about the Jews who were going along with it, uh, were especially not happy about the uh, conversion of the temple in Jerusalem uh, to be a uh, temple to the Greek gods, uh, and so decided to take up arms against the Greek army, And not only did they decide to take up arms against the Greek army, but they took up arms against uh, the other Jews in Judea, the other Hellenized Jews of Judea, who who they saw as being uh, collaborators with the Greek authorities. And they took up arms. They miraculously, to use a religious term uh, for it, but miraculously in the sense that they were a relatively small, disorganized group of guerrillas 
who were able to uh, wage an insurgency against a more powerful force and were able to topple uh, the Greek rule over Judea. This is a real historical event that happened. They also, once they accomplished that, rededicated the temple to be a temple for the God of Israel. That is also a real historical event that happened. And there are contemporaneous accounts of this happening. What is not in the contemporaneous accounts is anything having to do with a miracle related to the candles and the oil. That, for lack of a better term, maybe to phrase it provocatively, was a rabbinic innovation. Now the question is, why did the rabbis make that the thing we celebrate in Hanukkah? And in fact, if you read the Talmud, there's essentially one paragraph in the entire Talmud about Hanukkah, which had already been uh, celebrated prior to the writing of the Talmud. This was a celebration that the rabbis knew about, but there's one paragraph about it. Purim gets its own tractate in the Talmud. Rosh Hashanah gets its own tractate in the Talmud. Hanukkah gets one paragraph. And the rabbis say there, my Hanukkah, what is Hanukkah? And the answer they give is when the Hasmoneans, when the Maccabees uh, entered the temple, they only found enough oil to last for one day. They poured it in anyway, and it lasted for eight days. A miracle happened, and that's why we celebrate Hanukkah. Nothing about the military campaign. Nothing about the revolution. It's all about the temple and the miracle of the oil. And so the question is, why is it that the rabbis shift the focus of Hanukkah away from the rebellion to the dedication of the temple and a miracle of the oil that may or may not have happened. And I think the reason is twofold. One, we often hear about the insurgency that led to the toppling of Greek rule. But we often don't think about and check in on what those Maccabees were up to after they rededicate the temple. And what happens is actually a pretty tragic history. The Maccabees, the Hasmoneans, who were mainly a band of priests, once they toppled Greek rule, established themselves not only as the authority of the temple, but also as political sovereigns as well. They made themselves kings. They created a dynasty for themselves. Now, rabbinic tradition already didn't like that because if you follow along, you know, Jacob and his children and the tribal lineages in the Bible, the priesthood comes from the tribe of Levi. But the right king, according to most of our tradition, is of the line of King David. And King David was from what tribe? Judah, not from Levi. So the rabbis were already inclined not to be happy about the rule of the Hasmoneans because they were not rightful heirs to the throne of David. But that, I think, is not the entire picture. That's not why the rabbis wanted to reframe the story, because if they were really that unhappy about it, they could have written the Hasmoneans out of the story altogether, and they didn't do that. 
So here are two other things that are important to know about what happens after the swords fall silent in the rebellion of Hanukkah. The first is that the Hasmoneans maintained their extremism. They waged a campaign using their newfound power and sovereignty to forcibly convert all the Jews of Judea, and by forcibly I mean by the sword, forcibly convert all the Jews of Judea to their brand of extreme Judaism. And not only that, but they engaged in campaigns of expansion. They went to places like Idumea, which is now modern-day Jordan, and went to all of the people there and said, you can either convert to our version of Judaism or be slaughtered. Some people chose to be slaughtered. Some people converted to Judaism. We, I'm sure, have heard of a ruler in the Roman period, and we'll get to that in one second, a ruler in the Roman period named King Herod the Great, Herod is uh, installed by the Roman government as king of the Jews, and he claims Jewish ancestry. Why? Because his grandparents were forcibly converted Idumeans. And so by those standards, Herod was Jewish. He was the descendant of people who were forced to become Jewish, but he was nevertheless Jewish. And so what the rabbis, I think, are deeply uncomfortable with is that kind of extreme totalitarian approach to Judaism. The either my way or the highway approach to Judaism. One of the other characteristics of Talmud, of, of Hanukkah in the Talmud, the, one of the only other places it's discussed in the Talmud is a discussion about the Hanukkah candles. And this, I think, is emblematic of rabbinic tradition in contradistinction to the argument they were making against the Hasmoneans. So when they discuss the Hanukkah candles, they present two opinions. They present the opinions of the school of Hillel and the opinion of the school of Shammai. The school of Shammai says that we should light all eight candles on the first night and then take away a candle each night. That, after all, is how the miracle happened. They poured in all the oil and a little bit of oil went away each night. Miraculously, we ended up with enough for eight days, but a little bit went away each night. But Hillel, the school of Hillel, argues an alternative view. Start with one candle, they say, and build up one more candle each night until you have eight on the last night, because ma'alim bekodesh ve'en moridim. We should ascend in matters of holiness and not descend. And the opinion, as we know, follows the school of Hillel, as it does in many instances. But the Talmud always says, why is it that the opinion follows the school of Hillel? In part, it relies on their argumentation. They make a compelling argument. We rise in matter of holiness, and we don't descend. But it's also because, according to the Talmud in a different tractate, Nerevin, that the school of Hillel gives deference to the opinions of the school of Shammai before is theirs, and even teaches the opinions of the school of Shammai, that they were kindly and modest, and accepting and embracing of the diversity of opinion that existed within the rabbinic community. 
The only other place that the Talmud talks about Hanukkah is a conversation from two opposing points of view about what is the right way to do this Jewish practice. That is the rabbinic way. And their argument is against the model of the Hasmoneans who have a my way or the highway approach to Jewish life. And the second thing that the Hasmoneans do, in addition to that abuse of power, is abuse power in many other ways and devolve into corruption and Game of Thrones style infighting among their families. And when that happens, just about a hundred years into their reign, they can't figure out who the rightful king is. They are engaged in a war and a dispute internally among their the Hasmonean line. And so they say, we need somebody to be an honest broker here and resolve this for us. So there's another rising power in the world at the time, just across the Mediterranean, in a place called Rome. And they've got an army. They say, Rome, will you come here and keep the peace for a little while till we sort all this out? Rome says, of course we'll do that. No problem. Rome comes in, and Rome never leaves. The rabbis know full well what the end result of Hasmonean, of Maccabean rule is. And they know that power decoupled from a sense of responsibility is always dangerous, always devolves, is always destructive. And so they make, in a beautifully subversive way, Hanukkah not about the power of the Maccabees, but about the miracle of God. And then they do even something more subversive than that. Listen to the words of our Haftorah today that they append to Shabbat Hanukkah. Where in the prophet Zechariah he says, Lo b'chayel velo b'koach ki'im beruchi amar Adonai tzvaot. Not by might and not by power, but only by my spirit, says God. And I think what the rabbis are saying by choosing that message from the prophets is to say, it's not necessarily that we disagree with taking up arms against the Greeks. The rabbinic tradition is not a pacifist tradition. Sometimes war and sometimes violence is necessary. But their argument is about the directionality and the sense of responsibility in the use and perpetuation of that power. If we take power for power's sake, it is always destructive. And anybody who acquires and accumulates and pursues power for power's sake is always going to abuse it. And instead, we ought to see ourselves as under the dominion of and answering to a higher authority that the Maccabees seem to have forgotten. And so, yes... The rabbinic tradition makes up a story that we, that we use to commemorate Hanukkah with. Instead of focusing on the rebellion and reminding ourselves 
of the corruption of that rebellion after the Maccabees assumed power, we learn two profound rabbinic lessons. The first is the preference of pluralism over extremism. And the second is to always remember that power has to be wielded responsibly and with a sense of subservience and discipleship to the Spirit of God who gives human beings power in the first place. As we light the Hanukkah lights, let us take in the light of that message and bring it back out into a world in need of both of those values. Happy Hanukkah.